Welcome to the Next Generation Leader Podcast, where we believe great leaders are listeners, especially during their youth. Good leaders learn from their successes and mistakes, but great leaders learn from the successes and mistakes of those who go before them. I'm your host, Zach Thunderberg, without my esteemed co-host, Cooper McCullough, because it was his birthday. That's right, folks. This past week, Cooper McCullough had a birthday. So if you have his number or if you have him on LinkedIn, social media, Facebook, at CooperAllen8, shoot him a message. Wish him happy birthday. Happy 23rd, Coop. We love you. We, we, we're thankful for you, and we're grateful for your wisdom and your teaching, and especially your teaching this week. For his birthday, for this birthday episode, as we might call it, it's Coop's birthday. So it's a sermon that he prepared and preached this past week at Wake at Watermark Community Church. Now, Wake is the middle school ministry for Watermark that I've gotten the opportunity to serve at alongside Cooper, and Cooper gets to work there and lead there, and it's a blessing and an honor to get to hear him share why the Bible is important. His just message and his plea to those listening, you should get into the Word, why you should read the Bible, why you should be constantly connected to the source of life that is Jesus Christ through the Word of God. So listen to his appeal. I hope it challenges you. I hope it encourages you. And don't forget to reach out and tell Coop happy birthday. Coop, we love you. We miss you on this episode today, and we're grateful for you. So here he is, Cooper Allen McCullough. to talk to you guys about it today. I'm gonna use Psalm 119 to show you three things that the Bible and, and spending time in God's word is going to give you. So you can, if you're taking notes, one, two, three, there's gonna be three things that I'm going to show you that God's word can give you as you spend time in it. The first thing, are you guys ready? Are you hanging on the edge of your seats? This is a very important topic, guys. So I need you to really buy in here, okay? Are you bought in? Okay, that's good, that's good. I'm starting to feel some, some energy in the room and I love that. So the first thing is that God's word will give you joy. J-O-Y, God's word will give you joy. You can write that down. And here's the thing. I wanna start by, let's just, let's get something straight. I am not asking you to read your Bible. In fact, I'm gonna put it on the slide. Do not read your Bible. I'm not asking you to read your Bible. A lot of you are like, what is happening? Am I in wake? Where am I? I'm not asking you to read your Bible. I put it up there on a slide for dramatic effect. You can go back to the previous slide about joy. But guys, I'm not asking you to read your Bible. Nowhere in scripture is there anywhere that it tells you that you should be reading your Bible. It's not in there. You can look, you can go through every page. Nowhere says that you should be reading your Bible. Because here's what you guys read. You guys read science textbooks and history books and homework. And how many of you enjoy reading your homework? Not many hands. Some of you are faithful students and it's gonna serve you well in the long run. But guys, I'm not asking you to read your Bible because you read your textbooks. There's, there's something different that you should be doing when you're spending time in God's word. And it starts from this realization. Every time you take your Bible, here's one here. I don't want you to think about opening up. Okay, what am I gonna read today? Okay, I'm reading one chapter, check mark, close it. That's great. Now I'm going on throughout my day. That's not what I'm asking you to do. I want you to first take a second and do this. And as you're doing that, I want you to think about who are you about to hear from? 
Imagine if I got up here today and I told you guys, I was at the park this weekend. I was sitting on a park bench and I heard from God. I heard God talk to me. I have to tell you what he said. Would you want to listen? Absolutely. Well, guys, what I'm holding in my hand is God's word. This is God's revealed word. It's breathed out by God. It doesn't return void. It's alive and active. It's a sword. It equips you for every good work. And God wrote this book and you get to read it. Do you understand how crazy that is? A holy God, creator of heaven and earth, fabricator of your being. Everything is created by him and he wrote this book and you have the opportunity to read it. Some of you have like five of them in your house and yet you don't recognize how valuable it is to hear from the living God. We serve a living God and this is his book and we get the opportunity to read it. And that should give you so much joy that the God of the universe who created you and loves you so dearly has written this book. Why on earth would we not read it? The psalmist in Psalm 119 puts it this way. He says, your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. And again, in verse 97, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. This does not sound like someone who's reading a textbook. It doesn't sound like someone who was assigned to read one chapter a day. And so he's reading his chapter. This sounds like someone who wants to spend as much time in God's word as he can. And that is what I want to be true for you because of the joy that it's providing for him. So when I say don't read your Bible, you should be spending time in it. Instead of reading it, what I want you to do is I want you to meditate on it. I want you to delight in it. I want you to rejoice at it, to long for time in God's word. And ultimately, I want you to love it. I want you to love spending time in God's word. And these are all words that are used in Psalm 119. And if we truly believed that every word of this book is breathed out by God, there would be nothing that we would want to do more than read it. And by read it, I mean spend time in it. Are you guys starting to understand what I'm saying when I say don't read your Bible? Do you know what I mean? Obviously, I want you to read the words that are on this page. So you can add a little sub note to where you wrote in your journal, don't read your Bible. What I mean is you should be reading your Bible, but it should look so different from any other word in the world that you would read. It should look different than the way you read Instagram captions, than the way you read greeting cards from your grandma, than the way that you read books that you're assigned for school, or maybe you love reading in those books. You should cherish this book because it is, it is the word of God who is alive and loves you so dearly. That is why you shouldn't be reading your Bible. And that is the first thing, is that the Bible is going to give us joy. The second thing that God's word is going to give you is guidance. It's a fancy good vocab word. Guidance. Think of it like this, guys. B-I-B-L-E. Basic instructions before leaving earth. Guys, anything that you could ever want to know about God or man on this side of heaven before you die is going to be told to you in this book. That should, that should give us a good breath of just, whew, that's good to know that the answers are in the book. Psalm 119, verse 105. He says, your word is a lamp to my feet and it is a light to my path. Your commandment makes, this is the next verse, a different verse in the same chapter. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the age for I keep your precepts. And now, I don't know about you guys, 
but even still today, and especially when I was in middle school, I had some questions that I just needed answers to. Can any of you guys relate to that? You just, I got some questions, man. Any of you guys got some questions out there? Okay, three of you have some questions. I'm gonna come find the rest of you because apparently you have it all figured out. That's good news for you guys. But for the rest of us that still have some questions, here are just a few really big questions that I thought of, I mean, literally just sitting down, thinking of a quick list. And all of these questions are answered in your Bible. Every single one of them. I don't have time today to talk through all of these points and point to where they are in scripture, but every single one of these questions is answered in your Bible. So as I'm reading these questions, I want you to raise your hand if you've ever thought, oh, that's actually a good question. Like I've wondered that before. I've thought about that. And if not, that's fine. Maybe it's just me. But these are some questions that are answered in your Bible. How can I find happiness? If you feel like you've thought that before, raise your hand. How can I find happiness? What is my purpose in life? Where did I come from? What happens after I die? How can I please God? What kind of friends should I have? Who should I date? Should I even be dating? And how do I deal with my anxiety? Guys, all of these questions are answered in your Bible. And again, I don't have time to break down and go through where all of these answers are found, but I can promise you that as you continue to search the scriptures and maybe ask your leaders who have spent more time in God's word, you will find that these answers are in there. And what I want you to know is that as you consistently read God's word, your life will be informed by it and you'll be better because of it. And so that is the aspect of guidance that God's word can give us. Is anything that we could have a question about of God or man on this side of heaven, it is found in your Bible. And hopefully, and I know all of you that are in small groups do have someone who's older and wiser has been reading God's word longer so that they can guide you through and help you find the answers to these questions. Okay, now the third and final thing that God's word wants to give you, drum roll please, is freedom. That's good, that's good news, freedom. Now, I'm gonna start by telling you a story, okay? There's this family, okay? They they're, have a nice home and they live right on the side of this very, very busy highway and cars are zooming by on the highway, but they live in this house, in this beautiful house, and they have a four-year-old son. And they love their four-year-old son so much. And as their four-year-old son is getting older and he's growing up, they love him so much that they want to give him the freedom to do whatever he wants to do. They want to let him eat what he want, when he wants to eat, and they let him kind of stay up a little later because they can determine his own bedtime. They let him wear what he wants to wear, and they also let him play out in the street whenever he wants to play in the street. They let him play in the street at night when it's dark. They let him play out in the street in the morning when a bunch of cars are headed to work. They love their son so much. Doesn't it sound like they love their son? No, why not? But, but isn't that freedom? Why is that not freedom to let their son go and play where he wants to play? Because it's not safe. That's exactly right. Good thing is it's a fake story. I made it up. So all of you that are just stressing over there, you can take a second and take a deep breath and just collect yourself because it's not a true story. But I tell you that story to prove a point. Freedom is not being able to do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it because there are things in this world, as you know, that can be dangerous, that can hurt you, and so when I say God's word wants to give you freedom, 
What I'm not saying is you can do whatever you want. So what do I mean by freedom? What kind of freedom am I talking about? Let's look to 1 John 5, verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. And then in Psalm 119, which we've been going through, verses 9 through 11, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word, with my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments, for I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Guys, you are being invited to a pure life that is full of freedom. God is not allowing you to go play in the street, but he's showing you the massive backyard with water slides and basketball courts and football stadiums. And, and, and while there are things that you are not allowed to do, as a believer, God is telling you there are specific things that you cannot do, and it's very clear in his word. However, the, what, what the verse in 1 John is saying is that the love of God is that we would obey his commandments, we would do what he tells us to do, but we would understand that the commandments he gives us, he only gives us those commands because he loves us. In the same way, you would not want a four-year-old to run in the street and it would be so loving of a parent to not allow their kid and even discipline their kid when they walk towards the street. And just in that same way, it's not loving for God allow you to go and live your life as free as you want to, but he's offering you um, some rules and regulations and guidelines. And he says, hey, if you just live in these guidelines, if you just play in the backyard, you're gonna have a more fun life. It's gonna be more full. Bad things are still gonna happen. You're not, I'm not saying it's gonna be perfect, but there is some scars and some hurts that you will be able to avoid if you trust the way that God's word is calling you to live. And the last part of the second verse is very important. And it's talking about this defense that we have. It says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. What this verse is talking about is it is so important for us to meditate on and spend time in God's word so that we might have it leave an imprint on our heart. We might memorize it in such a way that it guides our life, living in a way that would honor God and so that we might not sin against him. It's this protection that we can have as we spend time in God's word, it will naturally be memorized and obviously we want to intentionally be memorizing God's word as well. But this is our defense to living in this way that is essentially walking in the street. It's this defense from living as we would think is best, the way that we want to go. And that's the benefit of the freedom that God's word gives us. Do you understand what I, what I mean when I say the words freedom now? Good, some slight nods. So guys, I wanna end with the story and just kind of a personal ex like experience that I have with God's word. So last year, I went through the residency program, as a lot of you know, and I learned so much about God's word. And in November, um, the program had been going on for a couple months. And the way that the program works is every week, we were assigned a chapter of God's word to read. So we were assigned like Genesis and then Exodus. And then we didn't do Leviticus or Numbers. We did Deuteronomy. Like, and then we did every week, we had a chapter of the Bible. And so that's a lot of reading. And so there would be days that I would treat it just like I was telling you, a textbook, where I would read like 15 to 20 chapters of the Bible one day, and then I would go a few days without spending time in God's word. And as I started to uh, notice my life, what I noticed was I was allowing myself to be 
swayed by whichever way the world would point me. I was a lot less kind to people. I was just more naturally selfish. And if you didn't know me super well, you probably wouldn't catch on to these things. But I was noticing this slight shift in my heart that was pointing away from the, the way that God was calling me to walk and towards my own sinful desires. And as I kind of took inventory, I realized, man, I have been treating God's word like a textbook. And so I haven't even been reading it. And when I do read it, it's just to try and get through and check the box. But I came to that realization by God's grace, November 10th. So that's a while ago. It's 264 days ago, I think. You can ask Siri later if you don't believe. Something like that. And I, and, I, and I was praying to the Lord and I was like, man, you know what, God? I recognize that the way that I'm living um, is I'm headed on a bad trajectory because I don't respect and revere your word. And so I decided I'm gonna be a man who spends time in your word every single day. And I'm gonna journal and read your word every day. And since that has happened, I've done it every day for that many days. That's crazy, it's by God's grace. I asked some friends, hey, what are some things that you have noticed change in my heart since November 10th? And they said, I've become more encouraging. I provide wiser advice. I'm kinder in conversations. I'm more humble, yet I'm also more confident. I'm, a, I'm gentler in the way that I seek to understand. I'm quicker to forgive. I'm more patient, and I'm more likely to share my faith. And ultimately, I love Jesus more. And so guys, the only reason that those things are becoming more true in my life is because I've spent the last 260 days in God's word, and I'm slowly allowing my heart to be changed and molded by his word. So again, as I told you, there are three things that I talked to you today about that God's word can provide you. He wants to provide you with joy. He wants to provide you with guidance. And he wants to provide you with freedom. Guys, there's never been a day I regretted spending time in God's word. And so I pray that, that would be the same for you. Let me pray for us. And we're gonna go and talk about this in our small groups.